At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Hey, warmer, friendly, low. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Seeks with myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got an excellent podcast on tap for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, it is Mike Randall. He does tremendous work over at FTN Network, along with that, taking a look at just everything basketball-related over at The Screen, The Screener Podcast. I know he does some tremendous work with regards to the football side of things in terms of college basketball as well, and we're going to be taking a look at what we've all got on a wonderful Thanksgiving Thursday, and I'd be remiss not to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully you're spending it with good food, family members, maybe you're having a Friendsgiving. Hopefully you're not having Festivus quite yet. That might be a little bit soon, but you know what? If you are, who who cares? I mean, it's the holiday season. We should all be merry, and hopefully we can make you guys a little bit of money today as in the final segment, I give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Thanksgiving Thursday as we hit some bank shots. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we go for those in. First one is my Twitter slash X timeline at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast by that five-star review. Really did not get in any Twitter slash X questions today, but we had a really good day of college basketball on Wednesday, and finally, I've got enough time to be able to recap some of these results as well, as we've had some very harebrained days in general of hoops. It is a very, very busy time of year where we don't know these matchups until like hours before they actually happen with basketball going from like 11 a.m. until past midnight if you're out there on the East Coast. So it is a great time of year. But let's take a look back at everything that we did get on Wednesday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. Out in Maui, we saw a pair of just big giant clashes with Kansas being able to get it done against Tennessee by kind of 69 to 60. And as some things change, some things stay the same. And it feels like it's that way for Tennessee. Tennessee just unable to put the ball in the basket in general. They go 9 of 33 from three-point range. Dalton Connect beat did a solid job in this one, being able to give the team 13 points. So it's on 17 shots. And Santiago Vescovi, he chips in there 21. Pass that. Nobody else was really able to give you a whole heck of a lot for the Tennessee team. And how about Hunter Dickinson? 20 boards, 17 points. 
points. Now, Kansas, they've got some question marks with more of their ancillary pieces as well. Johnny Furphy, a relatively pedestrian performance. Oh, Marco Jackson, want to see a little bit more out of him. Just 13 minutes, and he's not been able to deliver too much for the scene. But Kevin McCullough, despite the seven turnovers, which at, he needs to clean up, he still was able to give out a trio of assists. You had Dewan Harris have three turnovers, but eight assists as well. Very much a defense-oriented battle. And in Maui, we saw a whole bunch of unders as well. You always want to be mindful of the actual environment in terms of gauging these totals because I always noticed that at Lahaina, the rims were very, very friendly. Not so much at the San Sheriff Center, though this game did go over and you saw Marquette give a good effort against Purdue, especially in the second half, but they fall just short. 78-75. to Purdue was able to get it done. Giant of the Earth, Zach Eady, was able to lead his team to victory. Now, Marquette did a solid job of forcing him into some turnovers. He did have five turnovers, but 28 points, 15 boards. Very impressive for a Purdue team that, I mean, you had your question marks a little bit with this backcourt, but they've been able to answer a lot of those for this Purdue team. They have really been just going through these opponents left and right. This was a game where the number was right around three, a lot of places on the floor. If you got lucky, you might have actually been able to get a straight two to a two and a half. I think that the South Point was dishing out a two out here in lovely Las Vegas. So you're able to get some good numbers there. But for Marquette, game opponent here as they were able to do a nice job dishing the ball inside as well. Marquette, known as a little bit more of a three-point shooting team. They go just five and 17 from three-point range. But Tyler Kolek, 22 points, seven boards, six assists. Flip side for Purdue, you had a Braden Smith step up, and he's really been the guy to take that freshman to sophomore leap. 18 points, five boards, five assists, goes four of six from three-point range. And then Lance Jones, who's always a little bit questionable with his three-point shooting, he was able to go three of seven from the outside as well. So Purdue, they win the Maui Invitational. I am unsure of how the seventh place game went as I do this, so I'm not sure what to give you in terms of Syracuse versus Chaminade, but what I could also say is that Virginia had a big giant sweat against West Virginia, but they just barely are able to edge it out. This was a final of 56 of 54, as this was very much a nip and tuck game for Virginia, but they're able to persevere, even though West Virginia was able to get another nice performance out of Jesse Edwards. Jesse Edwards, right now playing without Kirk Creese, you can tell that he could certainly use a little bit of help, but he was able to deliver 17 points, 9 boards, and Quinn Slesnitsky has been a nice find for the team as well. He's come in from Iona, 17 points, 5 boards in this one as well, but for Virginia, hero in this game, how about Mr. Geter Dunn, Ryan Dunn, 13 points, pair of steals, 5 rebounds, Virginia, rough 3-point shooting day. They go just 4 of 18 from 3-point range, but they win that turnover battle by a count of 16 to 9. That allows them to be able to get to the window on on this one. And then with regards to Wisconsin versus SMU game, as I do this show, as I have the Greg Peterson experience coming up at midnight Eastern time until 3 a.m. And if you're out there on the West Coast, that is 9 to midnight Pacific time. I do need to do this in a little bit in advance. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. We've got about 13 minutes left in the second half and Wisconsin has 30 points up on the board. They're currently losing to SMU by a count of 40 to 30. Just same old Wisconsin basketball time and time again. It's like where have I seen this movie before? Oh, wait. 
every single season of Wisconsin basketball. So we are seeing much of the same. And unfortunately for me, it's been much of the same. A lot of just bad picks with regards to my DK Network write-up picks. I have gone cold with these, and I'm going to look to get back on track. I do apologize. As I wrote up Michigan on the money line for this one, and Michigan, they were able to give a good effort in the second half, but they do fall short 71-67. to Memphis is able to get it done as the big differential in this one was the turnovers. 18 turnovers for Michigan. Meanwhile, Memphis, they committed just 11. You did have Michigan have a solid performance out of Olivier Kama. 18.7 boards, and then you were able to get 12 big rebounds as well out of Terrace Reed. I like his overall game for this Michigan team. Narvari Burnett was able to chip in there. 16 points, but... Yeah, between Reed, Terrence Williams, Olivier Kamwa, they combined 10 turnovers. That proved to be very costly. And for Memphis, you had off the bench a very unexpected 5 of 7 three-point shooting day from Ashton Hardaway, who I believe that he came into this game with a career two points. So he absolutely explodes and then explodes by money line play on Michigan. So that was a little bit less than terrific. And after it looked like Michigan was just absolutely lighting the world on fire and that they were one of the top teams in all of college basketball. They have now lost back-to-back games with the loss against Long Beach State, obviously being a little bit more concerning than this one. I am doing this as this game is still going on, but as of right now, unless if we see one of the biggest comebacks in the history of college basketball, this is going to be another W for the Dukes. How about James Madison? As I do this show, they are up by 26 points in the second half against Fresno State. The approximate score is 58-32 to for James Madison. They're not even doing it in this game with necessarily their three-point shooting. They've just been able to be much more efficient with the ball. Right now, they're winning the turnover battle by a count of 12 to 5. Fresno State is currently 0 of 9 from three point range, and James Madison has just been able to completely shut them down in all aspects of basketball. Meanwhile, as I do this, six different guys have reached at least eight points right now for James Madison. They've got so much depth. They've got so much ability. Have to love what you're seeing out of the Dukes right now. And you got to love sometimes a little bit of a slog as I do this. We've got Arkansas and Sanford coming down to the bitter end with about three minutes remaining in the battle for Atlantis. And one of the betting angles I truly do take a look at with regards to these tournaments is the overall environment, the shooter's eye, what we've seen in the past from the rims, and the rims in the battle for Atlantis, they are always as hard as a rock. I have no idea how, I have no idea why, but nothing goes down, and right now we've got a 54-51 to slog between Arkansas and Stanford with about three minutes remaining, as both teams as well, they have really slowed down their play, so I do have to give a little bit of a note there as Sanford has actually went 7 of 18 from three-point range in this affair, but certainly it feels like the battle for Atlantis is a big, giant haven of unders as right now. You've got Arkansas shooting about 30% from the floor, but they have completely dominated on the glass by kind of 38 to 30, but with this Arkansas team, they've got a lot of inconsistent shooting as well, so we shall see how this one turns out, but currently Sanford looking to be able to get a big, giant win to be able to bolster their confidence in general, and this is a team that needs no bolstering of confidence because this team is firing all cylinders, and they look like one the best teams in all of college basketball. That'd be Creighton. They absolutely house Loyola of Chicago by a count of 88 to 65. And for Creighton, they didn't necessarily go as deep into their bench in this one, but they have been showing throughout the season that they are very willing to do so. Fran Farabella was the main guy that came out off the bench for 31 minutes, but that starting five was just tremendous. Ryan Kalkbrenner, 29 points, five boards. Baylor Shireman, a double-double, 24 points, 12 rebounds. 
Creighton goes 14 of 27 from three-point range. And Loyola Chicago, they were down Philip Olsen in this game. They actually got six of 15 from three-point range. They were able to cut down on the turnovers. They only turned it over 10 times in this one, but still they are unable to cover that number of 19. Crane has just been going through teams like a hot knife through butter. So that has been one of the more impressive teams to be able to gauge right now. And if you're looking at top overall ATS record thus far this season, your top team against the spread thus far this season has actually been the Oakland Grizzlies. They are 6-0 against the spread. Prairie View also 5-0 against the spread. But another team that came into Wednesday with a really good against the spread record entering into everything that we saw on Wednesday, that would be High Point. And High Point, they were not a low point when it came to the day on Wednesday as High Point, they fall by kind of 97-94 to against Hofstra. Most places close this number at 5.5. Now, if you were able to get an early, I think that you could have gotten a cash with Hofstra. I was seeing some 4 and 4 and a halfs out there, so this is always one of those games where you're not necessarily handicapping the team, but you've got to be taking the best number in general. It is always so paramount as this was an opener of right around 5 to 5 and a half in a lot of spots. It dipped in some places. I know that this number actually did peak in quite a few places as well, right around a 6. So especially if you were able to get a 6, you were able to get in there on high point, but for high point, another relatively saw performance out of them, Abdule Thiam. He was able to be a big-time contributor for the scene with 15 points, but it was all about Mr. Miles going 13 of 18 from the floor. The Duke, Duke Miles, 32 points, kept high point very much alive in this one, and Officer is a team that I'm very impressed by as well. Went 25 of 30 at the free throw line, despite the fact that the game went to overtime. They had just signed turnovers now. Officer is always going to have its problems on the glass. They lost that battle by a count of 50 to 38, but a really good battle between two major teams that have been able to make you some money this season, and for this Hofstra bunch, my goodness gracious, they have been one of the best against the spread teams in all of college basketball, covering north of 58% of spreads over the last five seasons as well, so that was very much a fun one, and if you're just taking a look at other oddities and other stray results in college basketball, North Carolina looked very impressive against Northern Iowa and the Bad Boys battle for Atlantis. 91 to 69, the final. We're certainly going to be talking about the battle for Atlantis with Mike Randall in the next segment. And this was a game that was actually very tight for Northern Iowa. They had things tied up early on in the second half. And then North Carolina, they pull away for North Carolina. Armando Baycott, he had 10 points, 8 boards, 3 blocks. He was able to be a man amongst boys down low, but it was really Harrison Ingram that was able to take off in this one. 16 points, 10 boards for North Carolina. 12 of 26 from three-point range. This is a bunch that is known to be a little bit inconsistent from the outside. They certainly were a season ago, but a very good showing there from North Carolina and also a very good showing if you're a fan of the Villanova Wildcats. They absolutely house Texas Tech. This one by a count of 85 to 69 for Texas Tech. They actually go 14 of 36 from three-point range, which makes this all the more impressive from Villanova as they were able to do an impressive job of being able to just control the game. Eric Dixon, 19 points, six boards for Villanova. They did force Texas Tech into 15 turnovers. And for Texas Tech, uncharacteristically, they got sped up in this game as Graham McCaslin comes over from North Texas where they played at the slowest pace in all of college basketball. Warren Washington, he was able to give the team eight rebounds and four blocks, but relatively pedestrian on the offensive side of things. And for Dixon, who had 19 points for Villanova, he had been a little bit rough to begin the season. He was able to ascend here. And then these teams laying big numbers, 
They just continue to cover. We saw that with Kansas State all over Central Arkansas by a count of 156 as Kansas State goes 10 of 29 from three-point range. Central Arkansas, they're only able to go 8 of 33 from three-point range. And Central Arkansas, without Cameron Hunter in the fold, they certainly are looking like a little bit of a shell of themselves. Meanwhile, for this Kansas State team, Arthur Kaluma led the way with 20 points. Just an absolute pulverizing for Baylor. They were laying in this game against Oregon State, 17.5, unable to quite get there, but they do get a pretty impressive win, 88-72 as Jacoby Walter. He was able to do a nice job being able to put in there 24 points for Baylor. Overall, they shoot from three-point range, 7 of 18, while Oregon State for 15 and it looks like it's going to be another very long year for the Beavers and this is a live number that reached 40 and a half in this game. Georgia Tech was down 8 at the half against Cincinnati and then Cincinnati I believe that they went on a 40 to 7 run to begin the second half they win by a count of 89 to 54 as for Cincinnati. Talk about a master class. 14 of 35 from 3 point range for Georgia Tech 19 turnovers to 17 made field goals. I have to wonder what Cincinnati is going to be moving forward with Aziz Bendango now eligible. He got his two-time waiver now cleared by the NCAA. That is big for them. Jamayo Reynolds, we're going to be needing to see what we get out of him moving forward if we're able to get anything out of him moving forward as he was not cleared quite yet by the NCAA. But for our Cincinnati, just an absolutely tremendous showing out of them. And then we did see another nice win from Princeton, 76-56. They were all over Old Dominion in this one. And Princeton, they are now 5-0. They have been able to knock off Old Dominion, Hofstra, Duquesne, Rutgers, and Monmouth all away from home. And aside from the game against Duquesne, all by at least seven points. This has been so impressive by what we've seen out of Princeton after they made the Sweet 16 a season ago. We thought without Tucson and Wildman that they would take a step back. Well, they have not. They went 13 out of 33 from three-point range. Absolutely lit it up there as for Princeton, you're able to get 19 points out of Xavion Lee and for Old Dominion, they actually go 9 of 18 from three-point range. Problem was, inside the arc, they weren't able to do a whole heck of a lot. They went 11 out of 37 from inside the arc, so Princeton just absolutely doing it down low, and from the outside, they just continue to be snipers as well, and then you did see Ole Miss be able to pull it out against Temple by a count of 77 to 76, and in terms of the harebrained game of the day, double overtime was needed between UT Martin and North Alabama with UT Martin laying two and a half, just barely not able to get there. He probably had some different numbers depending upon when you took this, but 105 to 103 the final is North Alabama with 15 of 37 from three-point range, 11 of 24 for UT Martin with Jordan Sears being able to pack in their 34 points and 18 points, 18 rebounds out of Issa Mohammed. So looks like UT Martin is going to be playing some very up-tempo and some very rambunctious games. And it has been rambunctious what we've been seeing in college basketball thus far this season. The overs seem to be cooling off just a little bit, but the favorites, I was alluding to some of those big favorites, here in the last few minutes that have been able to cover, they just continue to be hitting like wildfire. Favorites overall this college basketball season and heading at a 52.1% clip. 407, 374, and 14 against the spread. And overs still hitting at 51%. 401 overs to 386 unders. In terms of pushes, I think that you've had now eight in total. And if you're taking a look at home teams, they're pretty much out 50-50. Two, 392, 
389 and 14 against the spread. And if you're looking at the last seven days in college basketball, home teams hitting at just 47.5% against the spread, while unders over the last seven days have hit at about a 51.2% clip. Unders are at 187 and 178 over the last seven days. So that's what we're seeing in college basketball right now. And that's what we all got on a tremendous Wednesday. Now let's take a look forward to everything that we're going to be getting on this Thanksgiving Thursday. Hopefully you are spending it with you and yours. And I know that Mike Randall is going to be, he does tremendous work over at FTN Network and FTN Bets. He's going to be joining me, breaking down some games and just how he's handicapping these tournaments next. Right here on Cubs Coast Soups with myself, Craig Eames Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Sports betting innovative analytics has taken the guesswork and emotion out of sports betting to bring you an innovative and trustworthy resource to enhance your journey to becoming a winning player. With industry-leading money-back guarantee options backed by their sophisticated modeling, they want to introduce you to a system that's not widely seen or available to help you beat the bookmaker. Specializing in NBA, college basketball, and WNBA, your first week is always free. Get started at SBIA1.com today. With myself, Greg Eves Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. And it is always great to be joined by this man as Mike Randall is doing absolutely tremendous work over at 
FTN Network as one of their main content officers, obviously doing great work over at FTN Bets. And he also does his own great college basketball podcast called the Screen the Screener Podcast. You're able to find that wherever you find your podcast. To be able to find Mike on Twitter slash X as over at Randall Rant altogether. And Mike, it is always great to have you aboard and a happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Thank you. It's great to talk to you. It's Feast Week. We have so many great things going on. Games early in the morning, late at night. I mean, it's just constant college basketball. Oh, it is exactly what we're looking for. And in terms of gauging these tournaments, how big of a struggle has it been for you? Because I do think that when it comes to a lot of these tournaments, there's a lot of great angles to be had. But at the same time, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to these tournaments where it's when to be able to go on to like the first, second place game the next day. And you just don't know who the opponent is going to be sometimes until hours before the matchup. Yeah, I've been very hesitant, Greg, to lay large spreads with some of the major teams. That's been an area that I've tried to avoid. Have been locked into like a Utah State against Stephen F. Austin. That is not the match for Stephen F. Austin. Richmond against UNLV getting two points. That was a great result. But I've struggled with some of the larger teams getting big spreads because it's so unpredictable. Like you said, these are neutral court environments. Players get hot. I mean, even right now, we saw Virginia not cover the first half line in their matchup with West Virginia without Kirk Creasa, which makes no sense. So sticking mostly to the smaller schools, to the mid-majors, you know, the ones that we love that we really focus on, because I think we're getting value there, like a Sacred Heart, for example. Yep, absolutely. I do think that there's great value there. And how much do you want to take a look at teams with a distinct style? Because I know one of the schools that you mentioned was Stephen F. Austin. They were a team that I bet quite heavily this week. A team like a Tarleton State that forces a lot of pressure. They're a team that I like as well. I wish his team was in a tournament because Merrimack is always one of those teams I think is a funky matchup as well. I think that there's great value to be had and taking a look at these teams that they just played unfamiliar style. Unfamiliar styles is the way to go. You know, Greg Campy out in Oakland does an amazing job, and that's a contrast in styles with Marshall. That's going to frustrate Marshall to no end. So, yeah, looking at those specific examples, Appalachian State, I love UNC Wilmington, but Appalachian State just took advantage there. They got up early, and when they get up, they don't give that lead away. So, yeah, isolating those styles where there are contrasts, where you know there's going to be an advantage. Don't worry about the record. Worry about the style and whether it can frustrate their opponent and that's what we've seen because some of these teams we really do know you know can take advantage absolutely as mike randall who does tremendous work over at ftn network is joining me right here on coast coast Hoops. and i do think that we've got a lot of interesting tournaments as well and how much do you stick stock into the venue that it's being played as as well because like with the maui invitational that just went final that's one where I did have to shade down my totals a little bit from the normal Maui Invitational because, as we know, when it's played in Lahaina, you always get those friendly rims, and hopefully things will be back next year because those are very good people out there in Maui. But that's always the betting angle that I took a look at it, like a tournament that we've got going on on Thursday in the Battle for Atlantis. I always like to take unders in that tournament because I just noticed that watching all those games, it feels like they've got the tightest rims on the face of planet Earth for that tournament. Yeah, it was interesting when Marquette ended up playing Kansas. I had the under in that game. I had the first half under. I had the full game under as well. And they started off scalding hot and it was up and down. But we just thought the rims were going to get tighter. These are two good defensive teams. It's going to be a close game and it's going to trend to the under. But it was 
amazing. I think I put out that they had eight points in the first three and a half minutes, and then they ended up with, what, 28, uh, 28 points or less than that at the half. So it really did slow down. Cam Jones was on fire, but sure enough, I think the tight rims, when you have two really good teams and there's a championship on the line, I think they're going to be careful. Yep, absolutely. And I always think that that is a good betting advantage to be able to take a look at it. What else I think is very interesting is I was referring to the battle for Atlantis, and this team is one that I believe we talked about a little bit in the offseason. Unfortunately, we don't have any numbers for this game, but we are going to be seeing to lead off a nice Thanksgiving Thursday, Texas Tech versus Northern Iowa. And personally, I think that if we get to double figures, that's going to be a little bit too far on Texas Tech, but I do like the way that Texas Tech has been playing. Certainly Villanova was able to get hot yesterday, so that was not Texas Tech's best showing, but what do you make out of this matchup? Because I do take a look at Northern Iowa, and I just don't think that they're able to D up very well with the Texas Tech team that clearly has a size advantage with Warren Washington down low. Yeah, they do. They do have the size advantage. I like Northern Iowa. They really had that game under control, but they gave up the threes, and once they get down big, they're going to be in trouble. Texas Tech, you know, with Villanova, they kept it close, but they could not contain the offensive firepower. I think Northern Iowa plays into the hands of Texas Tech. This is the style they want to play. They're only shooting 27% from three-point range, so they're struggling, but the defense of Grant McCaslin, as good as it's ever been, as it was down with the Mean Green in North Texas. So Northern Iowa takes advantage of a contrast in styles and was able to get up early and get a first half lead on uh, North Carolina. But then sure enough, 34 to six in the second uh, 10 minutes, their first 10 minutes of the second half. That's not going to happen here. I think they like the slowdown game. And I think Texas Tech is the play here against Northern Iowa. Yep, I'm thinking so as well. Again, if we get to double figures, then I think we've gotten to a little bit of a point of no return. But as long as we can keep a nice single figure number, I do think that there is going to be some value there as there's always value in getting this man aboard. Mike Randall, he does great work over at FTM Bets and he's joining me right here on Coast to Coast Soups. And I know you talked up this team quite a bit in the offseason in Florida Atlantic and they're coming off of a rough loss against Bryant. No question about it. But as we know, in college basketball, all these teams go through rough shooting nights. And how much of this with Florida Atlantic, with them being a five-point favorite, do you want to take a look at as perhaps a little bit of a buy-low opportunity coming off of a spot where I don't know if they're going to shoot that cold the rest of the season because that was just a very, very rough situation for them. And I do think that there's a good chance that they bounce back in this one. Yeah, 100%. I don't think five points is enough here. I believe in Florida Atlantic, it was a bad performance. You know, sometimes, Greg, we've seen with the narratives, a new coach, you know, Grasso is gone, new coach comes in, caution to the wind, weird things happen. I think they bounce back here. I believe in this team. This is a team that won by 43 points against Eastern Michigan. They beat Loyola Chicago in a semi-away game, which was essentially a road game in Chicago go pretty comfortably. I believe in them. They have Liberty coming up, which is going to be a big battle, but I think they get this one done. I like them on the first half line. I like them full game as well. Thad Mata doing a nice job there with Butler, and they were able to keep it close for a while with Michigan State, but I think Florida Atlantic seniors, good three-point shooting. They are not great shooting 5 of 30 from three-point range again, so I have no problem backing them here even with the slight, you know, about five point in my neutral court. Yep, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I do take a look at Florida Atlantic and I wouldn't want to go really past like six in this spot, but I do think that five is a little bit short. If they don't lose that game to Bryant, you're probably getting a little bit more of a six. So I do think that we're getting a nice little discount there. And then I take a look at teams that have come out of the gate very hot and some of this is for real. Some of this might not be so much for real, but I really like what I've seen out of Iowa State. The game that is going to be following for Atlantic versus Butler is involving Iowa State and VCU, with VCU being between a 10 and a to an 11 point line, with Iowa State being the favorite and a total of about 131. What do you make out of a matchup like this? Because 
I know that you don't like playing big numbers with regards to these tournaments, and I have some hesitation as well, but I have been thoroughly impressed by this Iowa State team, and it does feel like a VCU bunch as just out of shorts with Sean Baristow being out of the fold. Yeah, out of sorts and just a different situation with a new coach, and they're trying to adjust. They've been very up and down, helter-skelter. I thought the easiest bet Greg I had so far this season was the Grambling State team total under against Iowa State. I mean, I think it was like 52 points, something like that. They only scored 37, had 14 at the half. Tamman Lipsy has really developed. You know, he had a very bad game last year when they lost that horrific uh lead. I think it was Texas Tech. Uh, they gave it back. Texas Tech had a struggle last year, but they came back with that colossal comeback against Iowa State. He was a freshman then, but he's different now. He's a sophomore. He's playing well. He's making it from three, and their defense is at a different level. I have a future on them on Iowa State. I love them here, and I'm not going to be scared off because I believe in their style. I believe in their defense. Greg, the Cyclones under TJ Alselberger are holding opponents to 33.3% from inside the arc. What does that even mean? I believe in this defense. I believe in their style, and VCU just not ready for this matchup here, even on a neutral court with the game being in Florida. I like Iowa State. Yep, I do as well. I've been so impressed by this Iowa State defense. Granted, it has not been necessarily against the world's greatest competition, but that said, I do think that they're going to be able to hold up, and I think that they're in for a big one here. As joining me on the show, we do have Mike Randall of FTM Bets. He does amazing work over there along with the Screen the Screener podcast. You're going to be right here on Coast to Coast Hoops, and I am very intrigued by this matchup as well. Right now, NC State is between a 7 to an 8-point favorite against a Vanderbilt team that they just had a bunch of injuries to begin the season that, like, nobody knew about. We have yet to see Tyron Lawrence. We have yet to see Lee Dorda and a few others for this Vanderbilt team. But I take a look at this total at 142.5 to 143, and it just feels low to me. This Vanderbilt team has not been good on defense really over the last year plus. And for this NC State team, I really like the way that they're taking care of the ball right now. Yeah, and you can't go wrong with hitting an over on Ezra Manjon. I mean, he has a blur there for Vanderbilt. He has to push the ball, get up and down the floor. Jerry Stackhouse really been fair at the loss to Presbyterian in the first game of the season. Um, but NC State certainly has no problem playing at that breakneck pace. They're going to get up and down the floor as well. It's a neutral court, which is always questionable. But as you and I mentioned the last time we talked, some of these totals seem skewed to the under, which allows for opportunity. I do think this stays as a close game, which brings the fouling game into trouble, uh, into a possibility late in the game. So, yeah, I am with you there, especially with Vanderbilt, who's going to want to push the pace. They don't have their full cadre of players. They want to get up and down the floor. They don't want to play slow. Um, That's not what Jerry Stackhouse is going to do. So I'm with you there. NC State can certainly shoot the lights out. And people are nervous about taking overs, especially on neutral court, not in this matchup here. I think Manjong gets it going, and I think you should get to the over. Yep, I do think so as well. I think that that's a total that's set. Just a little bit too low. And then really what is going to be the marquee game that we're going to be seeing on Thanksgiving. It is Michigan State versus Arizona. Nice little one-off game where you've got Arizona is between a four and a half to a five-point favorite. Total between 145 and a half and 146. And when I talk about a team that has very much impressed me, look no further than Arizona. But that said, with this Michigan State team, they got off to just that so cold three-point shooting start to the season. I do think that there's going to be some positive regression doing for them a little bit here. How do you evaluate this game? Because with Arizona, I do think that they should be able to outclass Michigan State, but I do think that there is some positivity coming for this Michigan State offense as well. Yeah, I'm sticking to my priors here, Greg. I really like Michigan State. You know, last year they were a tremendous three-point shooting team, 39.3% from three-point range, third best in the country, and they have been really, really 
really cold. I think they get right. I think the regression is starting to come. They look good. I know it was Alcorn State, but they were able to go 10 to 25 from three-point range, three for Jaden Akins, five of five. Trey Hollerman hit five as well. So I think the regression is coming. I think it's a perfect sell-high spot in Arizona and a buy-low spot on Michigan State. This game's at a neutral court here in Palm Springs, California. I like Michigan State in this matchup. I even don't mind them on the money line. I just think everybody's going to be on Arizona here. Yep, I do think that we're getting a little bit of inflation as well. For Michigan State, do they perhaps have a little bit of a glass ceiling on them with having a lot of guys that have just been around the block a little bit? Perhaps, but I certainly think that they're better than the team that we've seen here in the beginning part of the campaign. And when you have to play against the likes of Duke in the Champions Classic, that certainly does take quite a bit out of you. And for Arizona, that was an impressive win that they were able to have against Duke themselves. But I do think that we should see a little bit of a bounce back here from Michigan State as we're being joined by Mike Randall. Does tremendous work over at FTN Network. Joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And with regards to everything else that we are seeing on Thursday, is there anything else that we're taking a look at? And Truth be told, we are doing this as we've got a few TBD matchups in terms of the battle for Atlantis, along with that, the Hall of Fame Classic out there in Kansas City, Missouri. But anything else you have your eye on, whether that be a game that you're going to be looking to bet or just a game in general that has piqued your fascination? Yeah, a couple games. First, I don't believe in North Carolina. I don't think Hubert Davis has erased some of the issues and questions that hung around him last year just because they had a scolding hot 10 minutes against Northern Iowa. There's a bother to me that a team with Armando Armando Baycock and all those big guys in Ingram inside can get down to Northern Iowa in the first half. I like Villanova that matchup. I think the spread, Greg, is going to be about one. If Villanova's an underdog, it's a money line play for me. The other one, too, is Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma's kind of flying under the radar here, and they play Iowa in this matchup. 4-0 with Porter Mosier. Great teacher of the game. Great on defense. They're locking down from three-point range. Here comes Iowa flying high. You know their defense isn't going to be great, but they don't turn the ball over. I think that's a fascinating matchup also. Kind of like Oklahoma and Porter Mosier there as well. So looking at two games big games between high-profile teams where I think the favorite may be a little bit overrated here. It's a great slate of games. I mean, North Carolina, Villanova, Michigan, Arizona, Oklahoma, Iowa. What else do we want here? Creighton with a lackluster first half today should be able to take care of Colorado State as well. But some great teams playing. That's what I'm looking at. little underdog for Villanova, underdog for Oklahoma. I kind of like them. Well-coached, disciplined teams that play great defense. Oh, I always love these well-coached teams. These teams that have a pedigree of always having success time and time again and a man that always finds a way to have success that would be you mike you do an absolutely tremendous job over at ftn network i know that you do a tremendous job with the screen the screener podcast as well so love the good people at home know what's all on tap for you and how people are able to follow along with all of your work on social media and other platforms yeah you can follow me on x at randall Rand. we have so much stuff going on ftn fantasy ftn daily and ftn bets of course uh, we have 40 percent off using promo code gravy you can come in and get to us and get into our discord you know all the stuff we're handicapping games constantly back and forth i know you had uh, i think you had mike kutry on the pod recently he's fantastic with the props he's over 50 units up already so great time here to join us with thanksgiving and uh, the holidays coming up yes sir mike did a tremendous job on this podcast a few days ago just like mr mike randall did a tremendous job on the podcast today mike doing an absolutely incredible job taking a look at this game that we all know and love of college basketball and every single time he joins this podcast i feel like we get just a little bit smarter so big thanks to mike for joining me on coast coast Super Sound, part of the visa family podcast and coming up next it is a thanksgiving day thursday and i give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this thanksgiving thursday as we hit some big shots 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. And we're back here in Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Mike Randall aboard. He does tremendous work over at FTN. He is one of their main content officers. Taking a look at this great game of college basketball over at Screen, the screener. I know that he does a tremendous job with regards to all of his handicapping all 12 months out of the year. And every single time he joins this podcast, I feel like we get just a little bit smarter. So big thanks to Mike for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Thursday, this Thanksgiving college basketball Thursday, as we hit some bank shots. Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter slash X feed at unit underscore D1. We are going to be 
going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is pretty much based on tip time with regards to all these tournaments. Like, the first one to tip off is going to be the Battle for Atlantis, and then the ESPN Invitational, the Hall of Fame Classic, and then we just go down the list with Michigan State versus Arizona being a little bit of a writing game for some reason. So, that is going to be a standalone that is going to be at the bottom. So, Let's get things started with 761, 762 on the betting board. It is Texas Tech, and they're going to be playing against Northern Iowa. This is a part of the Battle for Atlantis from the Bahamas, and with this game, there's currently no numbers up as I'm doing this podcast because both of these teams played yesterday, but that said, I do have my handicap. I set Texas Tech as a nine-point favorite and made my total a 131, so at a 130.5 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over 131.5 or higher. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. Just an out loud question. When is Northern Iowa going to realize that because they cranked up their tempo, they have all of a sudden become as useless as a poopy-flavored lollipop? Like, when Northern Iowa was really good, they were playing super-duper slow, and ever since they cranked up their tempo a few seasons ago, it's led to them being highly ineffective, so have to wonder if they try to get back to basics in this game against Texas Tech. Texas Tech, under the tutelage of Grant McCaslin, who was over at North Texas a season ago, they have played a very slow brand of basketball thus far this season. They're looking to hang their hat on tough defense, having someone like a Warren Washington, a 7-footer down low, has been big for the team. And then you've got Pop Isaacs, who's been able to do a solid job of just being that mixer and shaker for this team, being able to come in, give this team about 11 points per contest. Do love what he's able to bring to the table. And this is a Northern Iowa team that I think is going to be having a tough time matching up with the overall size that you've got on the Texas Tech side. You had Titan Anderson be able to do a solid job logging about 9 or so rebounds per game for this team a season ago, but it's not like he necessarily has ideal size or strength. You've got Nate Heisey who he was out for much of last. He's a very versatile player. He's able to give you double-figure amount of points, able to throw in there some rebounds, but Bowen Bourne has been dealing with injury thus far this season. He played yesterday. He had seven points and four fouls. Did not look very effective out there, and for Northern Iowa. They bring back a lot of just overall production and minutes from a season ago, but I just feel like this is a bad matchup in general. Going up against a Texas Tech team that they're going to do a very rock-solid job guarding you off the bus. Had a tough time against Villanova yesterday, but I do think that they're going to be able to get online, especially with someone like Darren Williams, who at six foot six does a little bit of everything, grabs these seven boards, will give you a double-figure amount of points. Joe Toussaint, good glue guy in the backcourt that has done a good job of being able to dole off the ball. And plus, they've got some good shooting coming off the bench with Chance McMillan coming over from Grand Canyon where he was shooting 44% from three a season ago. So at a 130.5 or less, looking at the over 131.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under. I'm Texas Tech willing to lay up to 8.5 with them, 9.5 or more. I'm going to be taking a look at those points with Northern Iowa. 763-764 on the betting board. This is another game that's off the board. It is between North Carolina and Villanova. With my handicap, I did set Villanova as a two-point favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay up to 1.5 with them, 2.5 or more. I'm going to be taking a look at the points with North Carolina. Then with regards to the total, set it at a 145. So 144.5 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. 145.5 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under. Now the most dominant player in this game is going to be Armando Baycott. Armando Baycott is just able to give you nearly 15 rebounds per game. He has been able to do an absolutely impeccable job down low for North Carolina. The question becomes a backcourt. What are you going to be able to get out of a very versatile player like Harrison Ingram, who at 6'7", is able to throw out the ball. He's able to do a solid job with his three-point shooting, but has never been able to tap into the full allotment of his potential. You've got R.J. Davis in the backcourt. He's been able to do a nice job being able to chip in there 
there, about 15 points per contest. And Seth Trimble, he had some nice games early on this season. He had zero points yesterday, so I have to be wondering what he's going to be able to bring to the table for a team that brings in a lot of guys I don't think are great fits. Cormac Ryan, Ingram, who I mentioned before, Paxik Wojcik. These were guys that played at a little bit of a lower tempo of basketball, and now they go up against a Big East foe in Villanova that they know exactly what they are. Villanova does a nice job just controlling the game. They've been able to get much more defense ever since Justin Moore has been back in the fold. This dates back to the back half of the 2022-23 season as Moore has been able to give you more of 15 plus points per contest. Now, I would like to see Eric Dixon be able to kick it up a little bit more. He last season was one of the top scorers for this team with about 15 and a half points per contest going into the battle front Atlantis, which averaged just eight and a half points per contest, but had a very big game against Texas Tech. You have to wonder if that's exactly what he needed to get going last two seasons at six foot eight as may able to shoot north of 40% from three and with Villanova if they're in a tight game you can feel good about them closing it out they've led the country in free throw shooting each of the last two seasons and going into yesterday we're shooting 83 and a half percent the free line they don't turn it over a lot with fewer than 10 and a half turnovers per contest with guys like Brandon Housen giving you some three-point shooting Jordan Longino now being healthy and you're able to couple all that with TJ Bamba being a nice go-to scorer along Tyler Burton I do think that Villanova has the goods to get it done and get a little bit more of their tempo North Carolina looking to run it and gun it. Villanova very much looking to play slow and control, but Villanova very efficient with that offense. So 144.5 or less. Looking at the over 145.5 or higher. Going to be taking a look at the under end. With regards to Villanova, one to lay up to 1.5 with them, 2.5 or more. Going to be taking a look at the points with North Carolina. Now I'm going to need to project forward on these next two because 765, 766, and 767, 768 are games that are TBD at the time of this podcast, but you are essentially going going to be getting the losers of the games that we saw in the back half of Wednesday for this event, which that means that it's going to be Michigan against Stanford and or Arkansas. And if it is Michigan versus Stanford, I would be setting Michigan as a five and a half point favorite and a total of 147 and a half. Meanwhile, if they're going up against Arkansas, I would be setting Arkansas more in that realm of about a three, maybe a four point favorite, depending upon how they look against Stanford. I can tell you right now that game is midway through the second half. Arkansas is currently losing and they don't look very good. So that might get shaded downward a little bit, but I mean, regardless of Stanford versus Arkansas, I'm feeling a total in the very high 140s, perhaps a 150 if you do get Arkansas, even though both Stanford and Arkansas in the game on Wednesday, they were as cold as ice. If you watch that game, you watch just a big giant rock fest. But that said, with regards to Michigan, I do think that they are going to be able to bounce back from what we saw yesterday. The reason why they lost that game against Memphis was just all about turnovers, and they have been a little bit sloppy with the ball. They are turning the ball over darn near 15 times per contest, but you've got a lot of just size and versatility with this team. Olivier Kamwa has done a tremendous job of being able to elevate this offense. He's able to give you six foot nine size. He's able to pop a few threes. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table. And then you've got Teach me how to Dougie McDaniel. He did a good job of being able to protect the ball. It was the other guys around him that had a little bit of a rough time with it, but he's been able to haul in there darn near 20 points per contest. Has been a highly effective player in general. And then you take a look at the flip side, and I do think that they would match up a little bit better against Stanford just because with Stanford, you just can't trust in this team and their coaching. I know that there's been some people a little bit off-put by Michigan, but currently they are under the tutelage of Phil Martelli. He's a guy that knows what the heck he's doing, and for Jared Aswell, 
well, and he does not know what he's doing, unfortunately. You do have, for the same for team, Maximine Raynaud, who's been able to give you about 19 points per contest. Your Bynum has done actually a really good job of doing out the ball. Going into this event, he had an assist to turnover ratio of an 8.5. Brandon Angel has good versatility. Meanwhile, if you get Arkansas, just all sorts of talent. It's just a question of whether or not they're able to put it all together, and it is almost like a Memphis 2.0, for lack of a better term, if they do get that matchup. So they'd be seeing a similar sort of team back-to-back days because you do have Kayleaf Battle, Traymond Mark, who have been able to combine for 31 points per contest entering into this event because that's going to be going outward after what we saw yesterday. But both of these guys, they were shooting north of 38% from three-point range. Trayvon Brazil is a six-foot-ten combo player that's able to let it fly from three-point range. Devo Davis, certainly not a guy that's going to light you up from the outside, but he just makes winning plays right around like nine points, five boards, three assists, a steal. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table. And just have all sorts of depth with this team. Like Jalen Graham is only seeing 10 or so minutes per contest for this Arkansas team unlike any other team in college basketball. He would certainly be seeing a whole heck of a lot more minutes. So that is something that I take a look at. And with regards to what you're able to get a little bit further down the bench, like Chandler Lawson, he's only seeing like 10 minutes, but he's been able to see a few starts here at my Davenport. Some with versatility that's able to put the ball in the basket as well. So if you do get, say, a Michigan versus Arkansas game, that's a total where the total would probably be right around about 149, 150 or so with Arkansas in the neighborhood, about a three to a three and a half point favorite. And then if you get Sanford versus Michigan, Michigan, I'd be setting as a five and a half point favorite. And a total to where 147 or less, we'll be looking at the over at 148 or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under. And then with regards to the Memphis versus Arkansas and or Stanford game with Memphis, I would set them as a two point underdog against Arkansas. I'd be setting them as right around a seven-point favorite against Stanford. Once again, with the Stanford team, I really don't have any faith in them whatsoever. This is just a poorly coached team. Jared Ass has no idea what he's doing. Andre Stoyakovich for that Stanford team has been able to do a solid job lighting up from three-point range. And as I am doing this podcast with the way that the result is going as of right now, I'm starting to think that it's looking a little bit more like you'd be getting that... Memphis versus Stanford matchup, and that would be a total to where I would be setting my total right around about a 149 to a 150 or so against Arkansas, more like a 152 total, so I would be elevating that a little bit, but for Memphis, even though they don't necessarily have a lot of chemistry from a season ago, because got a lot of moving pieces in general. You've only got really two pieces that were able to give you production a season ago, and neither of them were really averaging north of six points per contest. You do have a Memphis team that has all sorts of ability. You bring in Javon Quinterly, who he had a very solid career over at Alabama, was dealing with injury last season. Two years ago, was averaging 15 points per contest, was able to do out the ball. David Jones has already had triple doubles throughout his career as well. I absolutely love what he's able to do for this team. Caleb Mills is just a guard that does a little bit of everything, and I remember Caleb Mills back in his time at Houston. He was a preseason American Conference Player of the Year, just was unable to live up to that billing in general, but all in all, I like his game as well. You're able to throw in there a little bit with like Nick Jordan being able to show a little bit of range in the three or two yesterday. Jonathan Pierre comes up from the non-division one level. He's able to give the team as well, depth as well. This Memphis team is able to, if they really want to, go about nine, even ten deep if they really wanted to. And I think that that's going to cause matchup issues regardless of if they get Arkansas or if they get Stanford. So if it is Arkansas versus Memphis, I'd be setting Arkansas. It's more around a one and a half to a two-point favorite, the total about 152 against Stanford. Stanford I'd be setting as about a seven-point underdog, that total being more in the neighborhood of about a 149. 769, 770 on the betting board. It is Penn State and Texas A&M doing battle as 
We've got Texas A&M as a six and a half to a seven point favorite. This is from the great state of Florida for the ESPN Events Invitational and total on this game in between 136 and 137. I did set my total at 139. I'm going to be looking at the over. Texas A&M, not necessarily a super up-tempo team, but they're going up against a Penn State team that they are much different than what they were a season ago. A season ago, they were under the tutelage of Micah Shrewsbury. They were a very lethal offense, but at the same time, they were a little bit of a limited offense in that they played really, really slow. They didn't have a lot down low. Now you bring in Mike Rhodes, and he comes over from VCU, brings in a lot of his talent from a season ago, like Ace Baldwin, a guy that throughout his career has been able to shoot darn near 40% from three-point range. Does a good job of being able to generate some turnovers against the Texas A&M team that I do feel like they might be a little bit prone to turnovers. They've got a really good backcourt piece in Wade Taylor, the fourth, who I think that he's a fringe All-American candidate for Texas A&M. Just seven and a half turnovers thus far this season, but they have more like 12 and a half at a mid-tempo pace a season ago, so I do have my question marks. You have a Texas A&M team that, let's call it what it is, they haven't necessarily played the world's greatest competition now with Texas A&M. They should be able to dominate down low. Henry Coleman last season was averaging right around 5.5 rebounds per game. It's up to 11 this season. I don't think he's going to quite average 11, but he's been very good for the team down low. Eli Lawrence is a good designated defender that comes in from Middle Tennessee. Last year in Middle Tennessee, he was a 12-point-per-game guy, but he's more lauded for his defense than anything else. Jace Carter has been a good fit from UIC. Now for AM, you've got your big three in Taylor, Henry Coleman, and then Therese Radford gives you 15 and a half points per contest. Pass A, you haven't gotten a lot of scoring, but all these pieces work so well together on the defensive side of things. But I do think that Penn State is going to have some success being able to generate some turnovers. And with Penn State, what I think is going to be key for them holding in this game, Kudis Wahab, who has been able to give you 12 rebounds per contest, was at Georgetown to begin his career. And you could tell that Georgetown was just squandering his talents a little bit. And you've gotten a big time surprise this far out of of Kenei Cleary. Clary last season was glued to the bench for Penn State. Really didn't give this team a lot of fly. He has now become a 17 and a half point per game scorer and that's what this team has needed was that kicks coming over from Temple. You've been able to get nice production out of Jameel Brown as well. It was a little bit of an understudy a season ago as well. You've got some pretty solid depth with Penn State as well and a Penn State team that is looking to crank it a little bit more up tempo. Penn State shooting just 29.5% from three but yet generating 77.5 points per contest because they are playing much faster than they did a season ago. Both of these teams have been pretty rock solid with their defense with Texas A&M being very consistent giving up approximately 66 points at each other last three games but I do think that this is going to be a game that is going to be warranting some late game fouling. I do think that Penn State is going to do a solid job of turning defense and offense to be able to keep them in this game. So I did set my total at 139. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. Texas A&M going to make them a 5-point favorite. So we'll take the 6.5 to 7 with Penn State and going to be diving in on this total over. 771, 772 on the betting board. It is Florida Atlantic and they play against Butler. Also out there in Florida and Florida Atlantic is a 4.5 to a 5-point favorite. Your total is between 139 and 140 and Florida Atlantic. South them as a 6 point favorite. I am going to be willing to lay this number with Florida Atlantic. They had that rough loss against Bryant and I mean, cold shooting days happen just like sometimes cold handicapping happens. I know all too well about that, but that's it. With Florida Atlantic, you still have just so much of that core from a season ago, which I do feel like they came into the season a scourge a bit overrated, but at the same time, I do think that they're going to be able to figure it out. They're a very well-coached team, and I do think that Vladislav Golden is going to be able to have a nice impact down low. Has been able to do a good job of being a rim protector this year, multiple blocks per contest, 15 points, six half boards. Love what he's been able to bring to the table, and then you just have a lot of unselfishness with this Florida Atlantic team as they bring back pretty much eight out of their top nine scores from a season ago, and all of their top four scores from a season ago, all of whom are back, average at least 
4.3 rebounds per game. So they do a good job rebounding by committee. And this is a little bit of a chameleon in that if you want to play fast, they'll play fast. If you want to play slow, they'll play slow. And Butler, they have been cranking up their tempo a little bit more. They've been able to get quite a bit of production out of Pierre Brooks. Comes over from Michigan State where he was a little bit of an afterthought. He's been able to log about 13.5 points per contest. Nice 6'6 combo player. Helping out a Butler team that had a tough time on offense a season ago. Feels like their three-point shooting and their overall floor spacing is a little bit better. And just getting Posh Alexander away from Andre Corbella I think is a good thing. Because throughout his career he was averaging multiple steals per contest. He's always been a very rock-solid player on the defensive side of things. That He's not going to shoot it well from three-point range. We all know that. But same time, he's going to be able to do a solid job being able to get to the ball to the rim, being able to get other guys involved, and he has been able to do that thus far with this Butler team, but I do think that Butler's going to have a little bit of a tough time down low. You've only got one guy giving you uh, five rebounds per game, and that would be Jalen Thomas, who, I mean, he was a solid player over at Georgia State, but I think that Florida Atlantic could be able to win that battle. Florida Atlantic, they do a good job of being able to dish out the ball by committee. Brian Greenlee has been able to do a solid job of dishing it out. So have a Florida Atlantic team as north of eight deep, and I think that that's going to be a little bit too much for a Butler team that stands that game against Michigan State just has not been tested to this point and for Florian Lang, I do think that they're going to be able to shake off the, shall we say doldrum that they had against Bryant as the defense actually looks better than ever. 62 points for fear or surrender in each out of their first three games. So, it's a good old situation. Something's got to give. I set my toe at 136F diving in on the under. I think we get a defense oriented game with Florida Atlantic, especially with this being in the great state of Florida. Made them a 6.5 point favorite. So, laying out with Florida Atlantic and diving in on the under. 773, 774 on the betting board. VCU and Iowa State do battle from Florida as VCU is a underdog of 10.5 to 11 points. Totals between 130 and 131. I did set my total at a 133.5. I'm going to be looking at the over with Iowa State. This team is one of the best defensive teams in all of college basketball last year. They were so good at being able to take the ball away. Thus far this season, may have been able to do that as well. You do want to see this team in a little bit more of a step-up game because got what it is for this Iowa State squad. They have played against Grambling, Idaho State, Lindenwood, and UW-Green Bay. Not necessarily Monsters of the Midway. That said, they're allowing fewer than 46 points per game. And Milan Masilovic. He comes in from the state of Wisconsin, and he has been tremendous, shooting 60% from three as a six foot eight combo freshman. Certainly, I do think that we're going to see a little bit of a fall off there, but with VCU, they were really banking on Mr. Sean Barisal coming in, being able to give the team some offense, as you saw Ryan Odom take over the job from Utah State, brought Barisal with him. Him being out of the fold has really caused the team to be out of sorts, shooting 28% from three, nearly 15 turnovers per game. I think that that's a little bit of doomsday in this scenario. Now, I like what Max Shulga is able to bring to the table, he could be a little bit hot and cold, but shooting 43.5% for three, 13.5 points, 4.5 boards, 4.5 assists, held a single digits in his last two games, I think that he'll be able to bust out a little bit more here, and quite frankly, they're going to need him to, because you just don't know what you're going to be able to get moving forward out of someone like Jason Nelson, who transferred in from Richmond, where he's averaging like 11 to 12 points per contest. Alfonso Phillips third, he's coming as a freshman, six foot seven combo player, has been able to do a solid job after he was glued to the bench, and he sees it a go, but I do think that for Iowa State, all their depth, Tame and Lipsby being one of the best point guards in the country, and now being a little bit more of a scorer after he did pretty much everything aside from put the biscuit in the basket a season ago. Do you think that Iowa State falls off a little bit from their 39.5% three-point shooting, but this is clearly a very much improved offensive team with Misilovic coming into the fold. Even without Caleb Grill, this team is still very good defensively, and like the contributions you've gotten out of Curtis Jones as well, has come in for Buffalo, where he was a primary scorer for them, and he's been able to give the team right around 10 
points per contest. Set Iowa State as an 11.5 point favorite. Willing to lay up to 11 with them and set my total 133.5. So also going to be taking a look at the over. 775, 776 on the betting board. It is Virginia Tech and Boise State doing battle from Florida. You've got Virginia Tech as a 1 to a 2 point favorite. And your total is anywhere between 142.5 and 143. I did set Boise State as an underdog of 3 points. So here at the 2, which is pretty much a market wide number, I am going to be willing to lay it with Virginia Tech. With Virginia Tech, had some question marks down low with this team because they lost Justin Mutz a season ago. And there's still some answers I do need with this team, but Lynn Kidd has been a very good down low for this Virginia Tech team. Not necessarily going to go out there and pop a bunch of threes or anything like that, but logging 17 and a half points, 10 boards, he's been able to do a really good job of just cleaning up the glass in general and being a nice offensive force despite the fact that he's not going to go out there and shoot threes. You've got plenty of three-point shooting on this Virginia Tech team as Hunter Couture, Tyler Nickel are both shooting north of 45% from three. Should see a little bit of coolage there, but you've got to love the efficiency of Sean Padula last season. was a nice double-figure scorer that shot it well from three. He's doing that once again and giving out 5.5 assists, a one 1.5 turnovers per contest. Depth is a little bit of an issue for this team. You'd like to see someone like a Robbie Barron who comes in from Northwestern be able to give you just a little bit more than four and a half points per contest, but I do think that some of these guys are going to be able to come along for the ride, and depth is a big issue for Boise State as well. You love what Tyson Dagenard is able to bring to the table. Someone who had six foot eight is a very nice three-point shooter that's able to give you some good rebounding, and then Chabuzo Abel, he comes back from season ago where he was a 40% three-point shooter, but question mark is, how does Omar Stanley fit in with this offense after he spent the last two seasons as a solid player over at St. John's? He shot 45 and a percent from three-point range a season ago. It does feel like he's a little bit of a fish out of water with the team, and you can tell that their main facilitator, Marcus Shaver, is very much lost as well as They've been having to utilize a little bit of a six foot nine point forward and Cam Martin to be able to hold the ball. It's been solid. Right around 10 points, eight boards, three and a half assists. Comes in from Kansas where he was just a little bit of an afterthought for them, but you're just not necessarily getting a lot out of like Robbie Anderson the third, which I think that this Boise State team just horribly needs. And I think that Virginia Tech, just with having more scoring options, does get it done in this spot. So I did set Virginia Tech as a three point favorite. I am going to be willing to lay up to two and a half with them. And with regards to this total, with it sitting here, at 142.5 to 143.5. Going to be diving under, even though Virginia Tech has been very efficient with their offense. They are still a low, slow, and controlled team, and Boise State always prides themselves on defense. So diving in on the under, and I'm going to be looking to lay it with Virginia Tech. We have to go without numbers on these two games, but let's dive in with the Hall of Fame Classic out there in Missouri. This is 777-778 on the betting board. Loyal Chicago is going to be playing against Boston College. This is a game where I did set Boston College as a three-point favorite. And in terms of this total, it's a situation where at a 139 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at the over and a 140 or higher to the under. I set my total at a 139 and a half. You've got Quentin Post, who's doing absolutely amazing work for this Boston College team. He has been a seven-footer that has been able to go out there, been able to go bombs away from three-point range. This guy is just absolutely spectacular. And then you take a look at what is around him, and it's really not a ton, though. I do like the fact that they brought in Claudel Harris. He was over at Charleston Southern. He's been a relatively surprising up transfer. He's been able to come in. He's been able to give the team a double-figure amount of points. So 
He has been relatively effective, and you want to know what has not been effective? Loyal Chicago as a whole, as this team last year was so bad against the spread just because they were unable to take care of the ball, and that is manifesting itself once again this season. They have been having Desmond Watson do a solid job in the backcourt, giving the team north of 15 points per contest, but I mean, overall, we've got a Loyal Chicago team that they're playing faster than they used to under Porter Mosier, but it's not like they're a blazer, but 14 turnovers per contest. They have been dealing with a few ailments as Philip Olsen, he missed the game against Creighton, and that is taken into account in this game as well. He was logging about 10.5 points per contest this season, and a season ago, he was really the top scorer, but I do think that you should be able to get a little bit more out of Greg Dolan moving forward. He's been able to average 8 points per game last season at Cornell, shot over 40% from 3 par inch, and this team has depth. I just don't know if it's necessarily good depth. Patrick Mwamba was over at Oral Roberts a season ago, double-figure score, had some pretty solid size, was able to shoot about 40% from 3 par inch, so I'm like Tom Welsh has been able to give you about five points, four boards, was a part-time starter last season, and at six foot eight, he's able to pop threes. He doesn't necessarily pop them very well, and for Boston College, pass post, you don't necessarily have a ton aside from Jaden Zachary, Wacky Zachy, so they able to do a solid job of being able to put in there in the neighborhood about 13 to 14 points per contest. Still remember two years ago when he shot just below 50% from three-point range. Certainly has had a fall off there. Question becomes, what are you going to be able to get out of guys like Mason Madsen and company, and I do think that it's going to be just enough for Boston College to get it done with Post currently averaging a double-double. I just don't think that Loyal Chicago with guys like Miles Rubin down low are going to have enough size to be able to body him up. So this is a spot where at a 139 or less I'm looking at the over. 140 or higher I'm going to be taking a look at the under and with Boston College willing to lay up to 2.5 with them. 3 or more I'm going to be willing to take the points with Loyal Chicago. I should say 3.5 or more willing to take the points with Loyal Chicago as I set my number over at 3. And then 779 780 on the betting board. It is Creighton and they're going to be going up against Colorado State once again. Game that is presently off the board because that is a game that went final yesterday, but I take a look at this Creighton team and I'm highly impressed by them. I did make this line 12 and a half with them. So at 12 or less, I'm going to be willing to lay with Creighton 13 or more. I'm going to be willing to take the points with Colorado State. And in terms of this total, I had to set it pretty darn high. I had to make a total of 154 and a half. At 154 or less, looking at the over 155 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under with Colorado State. Lots of offensive firepower with the team. Also with this Colorado State team, not a lot of defensive firepower with this bunch. Now, what I think is interesting about Colorado is that they aren't necessarily a super duper up-tempo team. The Rams last year were well outside the top 225 in terms of total possessions per game, but you've got Isaiah Stevens. He's one of the best guards in all of college basketball. He's a career north of 37% three-point shooter that has an assist-to-turnover ratio that's above three. He does such a nice job getting other guys involved, while he himself has been able to do a tremendous job of also being a primary scorer with about 16 to 17 points per contest entering into this tournament, but you've also got Joel Scott. Joel Scott was one of the best non-Division I players out there. He was over at Black Hill State where he just absolutely tore it up a season ago, and he has been tremendous, and Colorado State has really done a good job with their non-Division One pipeline. That's where they got Patrick Cartier, who's been able to give the team a double-figure amount of points per game. Now, with Patrick Cartier, he needs to work on the rebounding. He's like six foot eight and doesn't give you much more than about three or so rebounds per contest, so that's been a little bit of an issue, but all in all, I do like what you're able to get out of both of these guys. That's Scott getting back to him. He's been able to give you about 17 points, six boards, 
few assists, a block, a steal per contest. So I do think that he's going to continue to elevate and ascend. And Equay Clifford coming over from Colorado was a big get for the team as well. But you do take a look at Creighton, and they just have two of everything. They are Noah's Ark, and they are a team that I've really had to adjust my handicap on because I thought that Creighton was going to be good coming into the season, but I had that fear that they would try to be like the restaurant five guys and have five guys, much like a season ago. But Isaac Trout has come over from Virginia. He has been a tremendous scorer, being able to chip in there about seven to eight points per contest. He entered into this tournament shooting 44% from three-point range. Baylor Shireman last season had like 15 points, was able to do a solid job with about seven or so rebounds per game. But Trey Alexander, he has become that man. I mean, going into yesterday, 21 points, seven boards, six half assists, all while being able to shoot 38% from three. Steve Ashworth hasn't necessarily lived up to his billing quite yet for the season, but you've got Fran Farabello, who's out getting minutes, who I just don't understand why they didn't play him a little bit more a season ago, but he's been able to see more minutes, and he's been highly effective. Fred King, he had to step in a little bit for Ryan Kalkbrenner a season ago. You could tell that that experience did him a lot of good as well, so these guys are able to do a tremendous job down low, especially with Kalkbrenner being able to give you blocks. He's able to pop threes when he needs to as well, so I do think that Colorado State going to be a little bit overwhelmed. Creighton is not a team that they themselves necessarily cranks up the tempo as well. They're just really, really efficient, and if they ever have a guy that's tired out, you know what? They're able to replace him as they were entering into yesterday right around 279th of the country in terms of total possessions per game. So, did set my line to where I'm going to lay up to 12 with Creighton, 13 or more, going to be taking a look at the points with Colorado State, and then with my total 154 or less, going to be taking a look at the over 155 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under. 781, 782 on the betting board. We head out to the great state of California. It's Oklahoma going up against Iowa. This is anywhere between a pick to Oklahoma being a one-point favorite. Total on this game is anywhere between 158 and 159.5. Now, my total is low on this one. I'm going to be taking a look at the under. I set my total at a 148. I do think that it is very glaring what Iowa has done at home versus on the road the last few seasons. If you look at Iowa, they have scored 75-plus points in every one of their home games since the beginning of the 2022-23 season. Meanwhile, on the road, since the beginning of the 2022-23 season, they're averaging north of 20 points fewer per 100 possessions, and they're a bottom 40 team in terms of three-point shooting percentage. And I do think that that is going to be playing right into the hands of Oklahoma. Got an Oklahoma bunch that I think is doing a very solid job of just mixing and matching with a bunch of their transfers. Javion McCollum coming in from Siena has been able to do a solid job being able to give the team 12 points per contrast. You've got a nice sharp shooter in Latre Dothart who has been able to shoot in the neighborhood about 40% for three after last season at Utah Valley. He was a guy that was able to trip in their 14 points per contest and being able to get John Hughley back at full force is big as well. Two seasons ago at Pittsburgh, this guy was very solid with nearly 15 points, eight boards. He's been able to sure up the glass against an Iowa team that they have been able to get a lot of production out of Ben Cricky. The transfer from Valparaiso, 20 points, six half boards. Not necessarily a rock solid, sturdy rebounder though. And got an Iowa team that always finds themselves outside the top 150 in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. We've had Pat McCatch, Free, Peyton Sanford both give you 14 points per contest. And while these guys have been able to do an okay job of rebounding thus far this season, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do the job against an Oklahoma team that has had quite a bit of good versatility has been able to get a lot of production. And it is an Oklahoma team that is looking to play up-tempo a little bit more than a season ago. But as we know, under Porter Mosier, you just take a look at what he did while he was over at Loyal Chicago. He always preaches being under control. This is more of a mid-tempo team. And with the way that Iowa, just time and time again, has struggled on the road to be able to put the ball in the basket, I'm going to be taking a look at this little under. And 
when it comes to Oklahoma, I do think that that gives them the edge in this game as well. Said Oklahoma's a two-point favorite, one to lay the one slash shake them as a pick man. Going to be diving in on the under. 783-784 on the betting board. It is USC, and they're going to be playing at Seton Hall. Also out there in California, got USC as between a three to a four-point favorite. Your total is anywhere between 141 and 141.5, and with USC, I did set them as a five-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to be one to lay this number with USC. I do think that this game being out there in the great state of California, certainly going to be able to help them out, and when it comes to Seton Hall, they're just an interesting bunch in general that I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be willing to buy in on them, because they do have some relatively solid three-point shooting. You've got Dre Davis, who last year was able to give you 10 points per contest, was able to shoot in that realm of about 40% from three-part range, and what I also do think is very big for this bunch is that you've got Kadari Richmond, who just is so versatile. He's able to do a nice job being able to give you, like, eight or nine points, sometimes even a little bit more, and then he'll chip in there five rebounds, four assists. That's really nice, but what are you going to be able to get out of Jada Bediaco down low? He comes in, actually, from the state in Santa Clara. He was a very solid, like, six to seven rebound per guy a season ago. Elijah Hutchins Everett, he comes in from Ossipee, and he's got a little bit of versatility with him, but I do have some real question marks with these guys. And then on the flip side for USC, Isaiah Collier is off with his shot a little bit. I recognize that he can get a little bit sloppy with the ball, but he is one of the best sounds they're going to find in all of college basketball. They have been dealing with some ailments, so that is certainly something to be mindful of. I know that Boogie Ellis has been dealing with an injury, so that is taken into account with regards to this line. Obviously, Bronny James is going to be out until further notice. You just hope that that kid is going to be able to resume a good and healthy life in general, because that was a very scary situation that happened there, but I do think that when it comes to this USC team, they do have quite a bit more down low as they're a team that year in and year out, they typically rank in the top 10 nationally. And opponents' two-point shooting percentage, I do think that that's going to be a little bit of an undoing for a Seton Hall team that has been able to do a very solid job with their defense. You know that Jaheim Hallway is going to be able to get into his guys with that regard. It is a Seton Hall team that also is going to play, be playing at a little bit of a slower tempo as well. They're right now 247th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. USC, they've been a little bit more sped up. I attribute that a little bit more to the competition that they played rather than anything else. But I did tell my total of 143.5. I do think that when you've got what I handicap, which is pretty much like a, uh, say, five or so point game. I set my line at five and a half. For the minute remaining, you get all those fouls that break out, and I do think that that is always an angle that you do want to be taking a look at. But that said, this is going to be a spot where I'm going to be taking a look at the oversight. My total 143 and a half, and I think the USC gets the job done. One to lay up to five with them. Now here comes my DK Network right to pick, and man, I apologize about the last few. We're going to look to get online with this one. 785, 786 on the betting board. It is NC State playing against Vanderbilt. This is out here in lovely Las Vegas for the Vegas Showcase. NC State between a 7-2 and 8-point favorite. Totals anywhere between 142 and 143. And I set my total at a 147. My write-up is going to be on the over. Now, I recognize that Vanderbilt has been dealing with quite a few ailments to begin the season as Tyron Lawrence has yet to take the floor. Lee Dort, you have not yet to see Ben Allen Lubin. And quite frankly, I really don't think we're going to be seeing any of these guys in this game either. But it is certainly something that I'm taking a look at. And then for the NC State side, you've got most of your guys out there. I know that MJ Rice has been dealing a little bit with something this season, so we have not really been seeing him at all this year, but 
You know what, DJ Burns, he's been able to turn it up down low, being able to give the team 15 points, four boards, and a big reason why I do like this total over is that you just had such an efficient NC State team that has been able to do the little things. They're shooting 77.8% at the free throw line. That's a top 35 mark in all of college basketball. Their turnovers per possession in the top 20 in the country as well. As a matter of fact, they're in the top eight in all of college basketball. 7.7 turnovers per game. They integrate Jaden Taylor into the backcourt along with DJ Turner up Horn. Both of these guys have been able to give you 13 points per contest. And this team is right now in the top 25 in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. Entered into Wednesday 22nd. Might adjust by a slot or two based on the action from Wednesday. But the reason why they're so high with regards to their efficiency is even though they're shooting about 31.5% from three-point range, they're able to punch the ball inside with someone like a Ben Middlebrooks who's giving you six points but shooting like 70% from the floor. Michael O'Connell has been a big reason why they've been able to do such a good job of being able to dish out the ball as well. He's been able to do a solid job being able to give out right in the neighborhood about four assists per contest. But if we do get north of seven, that is my buy point on Vanderbilt because I talk about the way that NC State is right now taking care of the ball. How about Vanderbilt and Ezra Magnon, what he's been able to do? He has been Mr. Do-It-All for this team. 19 points, four assists, 1.8 steals, nearly five boards per contest. If he's able to get some like Atasos Camateros to be able to become a little bit more of a volume scorer. Comes in from South Dakota. He's been shooting right around about 50% from three-point range. Should see a little bit of a fall-off, but he's a very versatile guy that has been able to do a nice job helping this team out along the perimeter at right around six foot nine. Got Colin Smith, who's been able to give you nine and a half rebounds per game. That's been big, and for this Vanderbilt team, they are getting a rebound on about 35.5% of their missed shots. Now, a lot of this has been against lesser competition. I know that they've lost against Presbyterian, but them, USC Upstate, teams like that, but I do think that Vanderbilt going to be able to generate second chances. I do think that with Ezra Magnon at the helm, this team is going to be able to stay lively in this game. So being able to get 7.5 to 8, I'm going to be taking a look at the points of, with Vanderbilt. But as we know with NC State, they are a team that typically they like to push tempo. They entered in this game right around 250th in terms of possessions per game. But I do think that that is going to be cranked up a little bit. And I do think that we're going to get plenty of scoring in this game. So 7 or more are going to be taking the points with Vanderbilt. And my DK Network right up that is on this total over 787 788 on the betting board it is BYU and Arizona State doing battle from lovely Las Vegas right now BYU finds themselves as a favorite of between eight and a half and nine points and Dolan's game is anywhere between 140 and a half and 141 and a half I feel like this one is a little bit correlated if you like the under you probably like Arizona State if you like the over you probably like BYU because Arizona State has actually done quite a good job with their defense, like Alonzo Gaffney has been someone that doesn't really produce a lot of scoring for Arizona State, but is able to do a good job of being able to play some rock solid defense. As a matter of fact, for Arizona State, they are currently 313th in the country in terms of points scored on a per possession basis. BYU, meanwhile, they're number five. Now, BYU's comes with a little bit of an asterisk. They had a very nice win against San Diego State, but they've also been playing against the likes of Houston Christian and company, so I do have to throw that in there and I know that playing against UMass Lowell doesn't necessarily sound like the world's biggest competition, but that was a legitimately tough game for Arizona State. So I'm going to give a little bit of credit where credit is due. And then for Arizona State as well, you do have someone in Frankie Collins that does a good job of being able to get other guys involved. He's averaging 4.7 seals, 4 assists, 5.5 rebounds per game. Not necessarily the world's greatest shooter, but I mean, he's done everything else quite well for this team. You've been able to get right around 6 rebounds per game out of Sean Phillips Jr., the 7-footer who's come in and has been able to make a nice impact 
impact after last season. He was a bit of an afterthought at LSU. Right now, your top scorer is Kamari Lance, who he comes over from Louisville, where he was chipping in there about a 33% three-point shooting percentage, and he's been able to give the seam right around 12 points, shot it well from distance, and you can tell that Jose Perez, he's still getting used to the system, but I do think that he's going to be more effective now than he was even just, say, a few short weeks ago. And for BYU, do like what they've got down low. You've pretty much got four different guys. They're giving you at least five rebounds per contest. Fusani Treyer has been able to do a nice job with six boards per contest. Noah Waterman, who at six foot eleven is able to can threes at a thirty-seven half percent clip, nine and seven out of him as well. You've been able to have the backcourt pieces that are very veteran, like a Spencer Johnson who's having a rough shooting season thus far this year, but last year shot 46% from three. I don't think he's going to duplicate that, but 10 points, six assists, five and a half rebounds per game. But once again, BYU just has not seen a defense like this other than, say, San Diego State. I do think that the San Diego State game is very big, but I do think that with playing Houston Christian, Southeast Louisiana, Morgan State, that's going to very much bolster your numbers just a little bit there. And Arizona State has played the tougher competition. I do think that Arizona State going to be able to get up in the grill of BYU BYU has shown in the past that they can be a pretty solid defensive team as well. We saw that during the 2022-23 season where they were actually a team that was one of those better defensive teams in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis and to their own right as well, granted against lesser competition. BYU currently fourth in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a low-scoring slog. Somebody told a 140 and a half, so out of 141, diving in on the under, I think that Arizona State's defense keeps them lively, except BYU is a six-and-point favorite. So taking the points with Arizona State and the under, and we wrap things up with 789, 790 on the betting board. Michigan State is going to be playing against Arizona. This is from Akris Shore Arena. Hopefully I said the brand correct, but that said, you've got Arizona is between a 4.5 to a 5.5 point favorite. Your total anywhere between 145.5 and 147. And with Arizona, I did set them as a 5 point favorite. Here at a 4.5, I'm going to be willing to lay it in. Between a 4.5 and a 5.5, I would much rather lay 4.5 than take 5.5 because with Michigan State, they bring back so many guys from a season ago. I just question whether or not the guys that they brought back are necessarily going to be able to take those strides forward. I feel like that like year 3 to year 4 bump isn't as big as that freshman or sophomore bump and I think part of the reason why they're still in college is because they're not necessarily super amazing. I hate to be that guy but I mean you take a look at what you're able to get down low out of Manny Sissoko and I've not been impressed. Scape will give you about 5.6 boards per contest but I think that your much better options are guys like Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr who I think are able to elevate the same AJ Hogarth does a nice job of being able to dish it on and Michigan State is going to shoot when it's all said and done better than 26.5% from three. Last year, they were a top 10 team in terms of three-point shooting percentage. Matter of fact, I think they were a top five team in three-point shooting percentage. But you look at this Arizona team, and I'm not even joking when I say this. Every one of their top seven scorers are logging at least four rebounds per game. It's absolutely ridiculous what they're able to get. Actually, I think it's each other top eight. You've got just depth upon depth with this team because we all talk about Kylan Boswell along with Caleb Love in the backcourt, and rightfully so. They're combining for about 26 points per contest, and Boswell shooting a ridiculous 68% from three. Arizona shooting 41.5% from three. That's going to be going southward. But you've got Umar Bellows able to do a nice job as a seven-footer down low. Mate Jus Crevisas, hopefully I said that correctly. The seven foot two gentleman, he's been able to give the team 12 points, five and a half boards. You lose Azul Savelles from a season ago, but he's been a nice replacement for him. Not quite as much three point shooting ability, but still what he's able to bring to the table. And then I thought that it was a good fit that they brought in Kashad Johnson, who's been able to run the floor very well. He has shown some offensive might. You know what he's able to do on the defensive side of things as well. 
for Michigan State. I think that they are going to have a tough time matching up, though. They might have the best overall pure scorer in this game in Ty Walker because he has been the man for Michigan State. I mean, he's been able to chip in there 23 points per contest. Last two seasons at Michigan State, shot north of 41% per three. That's down to 30% this season. I think that that is going to be taking a little bit of a bump northward, but I think that Arizona just comes at Michigan State with a little bit too much, and it is a good old situation of something's got to give. Arizona is running it, gunning it, just absolutely ripping it down your throat. Meanwhile, Michigan State, they are not doing that. Michigan State is right around 175th in the country in terms of total possessions per game, while Arizona is number 8. But I do think that for Michigan State, they get a little bit warmer from three-point range, and I do think that Arizona going to be playing very much an up-and-down game. Do keep in mind that this is at the AccuSure Arena, so this is a true neutral court game. It is a case where I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I did set my total at a 151, and with Arizona, going to be willing to lay up to 4.5 with them. Like I said, would rather lay a four and a half rather than take a five and a half. And that'll wrap things up for the Thanksgiving Thursday edition of Coast to Coast Soups. Now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. If you do like what you're hearing from the sign podcast, Coast to Coast Soups, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we all fire those in. First one is by Twitter slash X Timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, Larry CM, Amy does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Big thanks to Mike Randall. Does an absolutely incredible job taking a look at the game of college basketball. He joined me in the last segment, and I'll be coming at you guys every single day on this podcast, which means I am back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in, and have a happy Thanksgiving. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.